Today's episode of the Painting Pictures Podcast is brought to you by Plexiglass Panels. Since March of 2020, Plexiglass Panels in grocery stores, restaurants, and airports have prevented millions of deaths and infections from COVID-19. This is based on conjecture. Thanks to Plexiglass Panels, we can resume our lives as normal and go everywhere that we used to go and see all the people that we used to see, travel around the country, eat in restaurants, and shop at grocery stores. If it weren't for those plexiglass panels, we would see a massive spike in COVID-19 infections and deaths. So let's keep plexiglass panels installed everywhere we can, in between all humans, at all times, for the rest of our lives. my dear friends you have found the painting pictures podcast you are here with me for another bone chilling episode another feet rubbing good time another cornflake crunching catastrophe just you and me baby here for the long haul however long this may take i don't really have an objective with this so it's going to be hard for me to know when to stop because I don't really know what I'm trying to accomplish. So I guess it's going to just it's going to be difficult for me to know when I've gotten there or when I haven't or when it's not going to work and I need to just cut my losses and stop recording. Kind of like the coronavirus crisis right now, right? We don't really know what it is that we're going for, so it's kind of hard to say when we've gotten there. <laughs> and it's certainly kind of hard to say when we should just cut our losses and stop the whole madness. Because again, we don't really know where we're going. Hopefully we're going back to uh, back to life. Um, you know, that's where I'm, that's where I'm coming from, folks. I'm, I'm, you know, ready to get back to life, but whatever, I kind of, I am getting back to life. We're all getting back to life, right? We're just wearing masks all the time, which is, which is fine, <laughs> whatever, right? It's just a mask. Oh boy, I'm flying to California tomorrow from Vermont, and I will be, looks like I'm going to be wearing a mask the whole time. I, I went on the frequently asked questions on the United homepage, and the frequently asked questions are, do I have to wear a mask? Does everybody have to wear a mask? When can I take my mask off? Who's exempt from wearing a mask? You know who's exempt from wearing a mask? Children under two years of age. I guess that means as soon as they turn two, you have to get a, put a tiny mask on them, on their 
dirty, stupid little faces. <laughs> that makes sense, right? Yeah, they could be super spreading the disease. Totally. But yeah, I'm going to be wearing, I will be wearing a mask. Uh, I haven't quite, I, I was hoping I'd have some time to make a fun mask just to liven things up a little bit. But I don't think that's going to happen. So instead, I think I'm going to, uh, I'm thinking about putting on the words I do hugs on my mask. Because I do. I'm doing hugs. Are you doing hugs? Is that a weird thing to have to, like, address with somebody? Hi, friend. We used to hug, but I'm not sure if we're ever going to hug again. Are you doing hugs? It's like it's like a very personal question, you know? So I guess most people don't go there, but it shouldn't be that person. Like, come on. <laughs> shouldn't be that personal. Like, I don't care. It's okay if you don't want to do hugs. I don't want to force hugs on you, but if you're okay with doing hugs, let's hug. But no, it's like I feel like I can't even talk about it with people. And and what it what is it that I can't talk about? A virus? Like, this isn't some political issue like abortion. Like, I don't, I, like, <laughs> I understand that maybe that's an uncomfortable topic or racism. But why is a virus an uncomfortable political issue? You may say, well, because of, because of people like me, COVID deniers like me. Well, you know what? <laughs> I uh I may that may be the case. I may be a covid denier at heart. I may think that there's really nothing there. But I'm willing to meet you halfway. I'm willing to accept that a virus can play a role in disease. Okay? I'm willing to accept that the germ theory may have some merit. I'm willing to accept that all of these scientists and doctors maybe are not operating on a completely false premise, which is that germs cause disease. I'll, I'll, I'll concede that. I, I don't need to, I don't need you to, to think that germs don't cause disease, throw that out completely. You know, you don't need to do that for me. I, because there's a place we can go right in the right in the sweet spot of of science and immunologists and we can look at this virus and guys I'll just break this down for you this is kind of the latest thing I've gotten I've been listening to this podcast called the fat emperor welcome to the fat emperor podcast I'm Ivor Cummins he's an engineer he's from Ireland and He's pretty cool. Now, I'll just start by saying this guy's totally pro-vaccine. So as you may know, I am kind of anti-vaccine given the general state of vaccines as we know it up to this point, although I'm not philosophically opposed to a vaccine. I would say I'm generally anti-vaccine um, just because I don't think they're very safe. But anyway, this guy's not. So... Does that maybe that makes him more credible for some people? I, I think he does a really good job of 
of not doing anything that will make him easily dismissed as a as a wacko. Which I obviously don't, you know, I don't need to concern myself with that. You either think I'm a whack job or you don't. And that's fine. Anyway, here's the deal. So the initial models, right? The Imperial College, whatever, blah, 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 blah. The whole flatten the curve, blah, 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 blah. The whole presumption was that there was this is a brand new virus. And as such, our population... So again, <laughs> this, is, this is all under the umbrella of the concept that a virus causes a disease. And in order for the virus not to cause a disease, one needs some sort of immunity, be it via vaccination, which is a, you know, a wonderful concept, or through natural exposure to the virus, right? Which is sort of what the vaccine mimics or tries to create in a population. All right, so we're operating on that premise, which I think is a little bit simplistic, but let's go with it because we can we can go right off of there. We can start right there and we can end up at a point where um where I'm right <laughs> basically, okay? So, Everyone thinks it's a new virus. It's a novel coronavirus. Therefore, everyone thinks, not everyone thinks, but we are all told nobody has any immunity to this. So if it just runs rampant at even at its, uh, so, and it's the, the fatality rate is supposedly over 3%. And so if it runs rampant, I mean, millions of people are going to die. It's freaking horrifying. So that was sort of the initial thing. Now, we all know that didn't turn out to be the case, right? We do know that, right? <laughs> we do know that millions of people didn't die. Can we, I, may, I don't know, maybe we need to just sit with that for a minute, but that didn't happen. So why didn't that happen? Well, because at some point, if you look at a curve of the disease, it went up and then it came down. So why did it come down? Did the virus just decide that it had done enough and go away? The idea was or is that, no, the virus will continue to move on and infect anybody who's hasn't gotten everybody, or unless they've gotten a vaccine or something, which doesn't exist yet. So some may say that the curve turned and came down because of the lockdown measures that were implemented. So all of a sudden, everybody's staying home, stopping social distancing, blah, 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 blah. Except we all know that didn't really happen, right? A lot of people stayed home. A lot of people still had to go to work because life had to go on. Grocery stores remained open. Walmarts remained open. Targets, Home Depots, you know, gas stations, post office, like... Yes, there were, and it varied country by country and state by state according to how strict the lockdown was and according to how, you know, closely the, to the recommendations people stuck. But let's all admit that it's not like all human contact ceased, right? But still, some would argue, okay, whatever the lockdown did bent this curve down 
And then if you follow that logic, then it's you're saying, well, we can't lift the lockdown because when we do, we're going to have this explosion of cases. And you'll hear there's now this idea that to reach herd immunity, which is what we're going to try to achieve with a vaccine, supposedly, we need to get to at least, what, 60 or 70 percent of the population being immune and therefore not susceptible to the virus and therefore not capable of spreading the virus. And we're now being told that based on antibody testing, there's only a small fraction, like 5% of the population that has been infected. And so there's still that huge portion of the population that is vulnerable. And so according to this story, the virus is currently just sitting on its ass waiting for us to lift lockdown, at which point it's going to spring back into action and infect all these people, right? Well, the problem with this is that the curves around the world look relatively similar. Now, you've got to understand that the data from different countries is all very much dependent on how they're counting deaths, right? And we know that in the United States and in the United Kingdom, they're being very, very, very liberal. And we also know that this is all based on this PCR test, which only identifies if there's a fragment of the virus, yada, 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 yada. Um, just a moment. But if you look at the curves of disease around the world, they all sort of do the same thing. They all sort of go up and then they go down. And all of the countries in the world that have these similar looking curves did not do the same thing when it comes to lockdown. They locked down at different times. They locked down with different sort of strictness. You know, um, it all is very, very variable, but the, the, the shape of the curve is very, very, very consistent. And what has recently sort of come to light is the fact that a large portion of the population has what's called T-cell immunity to the virus. And that's what happens early on if you've been exposed to something, supposedly. Again, this is all in this germ theory and this idea of your immune system, that it has these different levels of protection. But if you could imagine the T-cells being sort of early on, you've got B-cell action that then creates the T-cell memory or whatever, that then will kick this virus to the curb and it won't multiply very much. And you're not going to even get to the point where you're going to develop the antibodies that are going to show up in the test, which are very specific for SARS-CoV-2. The takeaway is that a large portion of the population, thanks to supposedly previous coronaviruses like the cold, has what's called T-cell immunity and is not susceptible to the disease. This number may be around 80% of the population. And if, you, if that is true, then the curves all make sense because they reach a certain level of infection, which is actually very high if you consider that only, say, 20% 
of our population is actually susceptible to the disease. Now, I'm no mathematician. I can't, I can't, you know, drill down on this any better. But this concept makes a heck of a lot of sense because the other thing that we've seen is we've seen countries that have lifted their lockdown when, according to serology tests, they're still only at five, maybe 10% of the population that has supposedly gotten this thing and is immune to it. So you would assume that then if they lifted lockdown, there would be this explosion of disease, and that just hasn't happened. Um, and they're trying to make it look like it's happening in the United States, but it's not. I mean, it there's still these large numbers of cases, but again, that is a lot more to do with the numbers of tests than anything else. But essentially this whole idea that everybody is at risk to this virus and it's going to have to infect everybody for us to get to herd immunity or we're going to need a vaccine for everybody is just doesn't make any sense because if that were the case then uh the curves would look very different and especially in a place like sweden that never really did a lockdown never instituted masks. They had some things that they did institute, but they have a curve that looks very much like everybody else's. Yes, a lot of people died, and they had a large population of elderly people in care homes that were vulnerable and that passed away. And that can be explained, you know, if by any population, you look at the number of people that are basically just being kept alive by Western medicine. And maybe if you didn't have a super severe flu season last year, which is the case in many countries around the world, especially in Europe, last flu season was very mild. So you basically have a lot more people that are right in that place where they're going to get carried off by a flu or whatever. And that's, that's life, right? Anyway, this is a totally different way to look at things, and it makes a heck of a lot of sense because we know that this is another coronavirus, and we know that we've been evolving with coronaviruses for hundreds of years. So it makes sense that a lot of people um, are going to encounter this thing and it's just going to skip right past them or it's going to go into their bodies still or whatever. It's a particle. It's still going to enter them. It's still going to become part of our genetic code or whatever this thing is doing to us as a population. If this is a real new virus out there that's spreading, which if you want to believe that, that's fine. Um, it would make sense that a lot of people aren't suddenly going to just start replicating huge numbers of this virus in their lungs and start coughing it and spreading it all over the place. For a lot of people, this doesn't, they ne they're not going to feel it. And um, I don't think there's any better way to explain it than, than by that, that according to these different layers of the immune system, it's being shown that a huge portion of the population, at least 75% of us, are, are not playing the game, essentially. We are not in the game. So anything you look at in terms of how many people need to get quote-unquote infected by this 
is actually just relating to about a quarter of our population. And anyway, the other takeaway is that now looking back, it's very clear that the lockdowns had no effect. You can chart the stringency of lockdowns against the severity of the COVID-19 mortality. And there's just no correlation. It's all over the map. And you can, of course, cherry pick and find an example that will prove either point, that the lockdown was effective or that the lockdown wasn't effective. But you can, that's just based on which comparison you want to make. And it's if you look at everything together, you see that there's there's just no correlation. So we did all this for nothing, basically. <laughs> I'm sorry. But we kind of knew that, right? Didn't we all kind of know that social distancing and wearing masks and everything, like, we all know that doesn't do anything, right? Maybe not. I know a lot of people like to believe that. And I think that's because a lot of people like to believe that they're important and that they're doing something good for humanity. And I can appreciate that. I think that's very noble. But it's time to wake the fuck up and realize what happened and make sure that it doesn't happen again. Because the the fallout from this, and hopefully this is leading us into a new era wherein people are more responsible for their own lives and their own well-being and their own systems and their own communities. And they realize that the big central systems are not there to serve them. And we'll come out of this with a new perspective as a society. And, uh, but, but if, 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 if we're trapped in this, in this weird new unscientific paradigm of of this pandemic and we're convinced it's like we're we're just doubling down there's no admission that you can't even talk about the idea that maybe the lockdowns weren't that effective or that maybe some of the effects just simply on human health and well-being um are going to be pretty bad in a lot of places and in mostly in in poor places mostly in places where people don't have any cushion whatsoever and a little disruption in their economy is going to send them right into poverty and they're going to be dealing with all sorts of other diseases that honestly are bigger problems than covid-19 you know there's a lot of other there's a lot of other health crisis crises in our world that put COVID-19 way, 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 way down on the list. So we've just gotten a little bit thrown off here. We've gotten a little bit confused about our priorities. And uh, we've gotten really scared. And I think it's interesting to think about, you know, if this had happened 30 years ago or something, or 40 years ago, like, would... Is there any way this level of fear and hysteria could have been created in the population? And I would venture to say not really. It would be really hard. You'd have to really hit those radio broadcasts. You'd have to really hit those newspaper headlines. But you're still going to have all these people that 
aren't listening to the radio or aren't reading the newspaper much and are basing a lot of their um, beliefs and ideas about the world on what's taking place right in front of them and in their communities and what's going on in the in the in the in the maybe in the biggest town nearby and if you go back to that paradigm does anybody have any idea that there's a new virus no i think that pretty much people say we had a bad flu season I mean, I, I still don't think anybody can really sit down and, and tell you what what COVID-19 really is. Like, why why is that? <laughs> why are we here and, and still nobody knows what the fuck COVID-19 is? That could be anything. It could be, you know, it's like pneumonia or it's like altitude sickness or it's like a heart attack or who the fuck knows, right? It could be anything, <laughs> Uh, it's just vague and don't, you know, don't ask about it because that's, I don't know. Isn't that weird? Doesn't that seem weird? You can't even like be like, Hey, what does COVID-19 really look like without sounding like a a COVID-19 denier? But anyway, you go back 30 years and honestly, folks, this is a bad flu year. This is a, this is a bad flu year. And it's not as bad as a couple of the ones that have taken place in the last 75 years in terms of, in terms of excess deaths. Um, 19, I think it's 1957 and 1968, a couple of, a couple of bad ones. So yeah, this was a bad one and a lot of people died, but, um, it's it's if you put it in perspective it's kind of the same as some other bad flu seasons and the this concept that that are we need the problem is the structure of our society or the problem is being too close to other people that that's what's going to fix this like that's just so arrogant do we really think if some when someone's sick and i'm sorry i'm just going to drop things that i've heard from other people, but whatever. That's what we all do, right? If you've got an active viral infection, you're breathing out like a million viral particles with every single breath. And we really think that by standing six feet behind somebody in the grocery store, you're not breathing that air. Or, and then it's like, if you really believe that, like, just stay home. Stay home. Don't go out to the fucking restaurant and put your mask on until you get to your table and then take it off. Like, how fucking hypocritical. You really think that there's this virus out there that's going to kill everybody and that it's so dangerous that you can't breathe the same air as people? Then don't come to the restaurant, please. (laughs) Stay home. Okay? (laughs) Let me go to the restaurant. Let let other people go to the restaurant. Like, don't get on a plane. Don't be like, oh, there's a, there's a, <laughs> there's this deadly virus out there that you're going to pass if you breathe the same air and it's going to kill all these vulnerable people. But I'm going to go 
you know, on vacation in Colorado and, and get on this flight. And everybody better wear their fucking masks. <laughs> Fuck you. Stay home. Don't fly. <laughs> Don't tell me that I need to wear a mask and be miserable all day in the airport. You know what I'm going to do is walk around with a fucking bottle of water under my chin the entire time with my mask off. And anybody comes close to me, I'll just take a little sip of water. I can do that. I'll have to get up and go to the bathroom a lot. Oh, just a rant. I don't know if that's helpful. I really don't. I I, I don't want to harp on this. I, I don't want to just be thinking about this shit all the time. But at the same time, it's like, guys, this is real. This is really happening. Our society is really being molded right now. Everybody is being forced to go through some crazy, ridiculous shit right now based on this false assumption that nobody has any immunity to this virus it's just not true and that nothing nothing out there can explain it but we're we've reached a point where we we don't look at the things anymore we don't think about things anymore we just go blindly ahead and we attack anybody that raises their hand and says hey this this is fucking this is wrong. Um so I find that I find that troubling, but I find it so heartening to listen to rational people out there that are looking at this that have never gone down a conspiracy theory rabbit hole for whatever reason, which is fine. That's great. You don't have to. You can stay above water and not explore some of these ideas. But if you really look at what's going on right now, you got to ask yourself, is this what you want? Is this is this the society that you want? And and if you think that it's there's no you have no choice, you're wrong. Because lots of people from the very beginning have been saying that we should have a choice about this. And that the idea that we have any measures in place to stop a respiratory virus, that's kind of a new concept. The idea that we can somehow stop this thing. (laughs) We were built by viruses. Viruses fucking made us. You really think that we can just turn around and stop transmitting viruses all of a sudden? (laughs) Half of our DNA has been implanted by viruses. So half of who we are, all these things we do, like procreate, you know, like make a, you know, have a fucking uterus and a, what's the word I'm looking for? Placenta. All that shit. (laughs) It's thanks to viruses. It's, that's how, that's how, life evolves so we really think that we can just we can just like put up our little plexiglass barriers and stop that shit (laughs) come on people where where in what world does that make sense and this idea that oh we can't uh, you know 
we can't let let lighten up and get back to life as usual. Well, how fucking long has it been, people? How fucking long has it been since March? We're five months into this. We're five months into this. And you think that now you're going to hug somebody and it's going to set off some dynamite chain reaction? Come on. <laughs> I mean, I get it. If you if you really want to like really slow things down for a second so our hospitals don't get overwhelmed, fine. I'm down. I'll do it. Um, and if... But... Come on, let's get with the program now, shall we? Well, well, there's that rant. Thanks for listening to that shit. I don't know. I don't know quite what to do with all this. Another rant. I don't know. That one. That's just like some new. This. It's like a new way. It's just a new way. It's gonna get easier and easier and easier. Hopefully, as we go on. To look at what happened and see it clearly. And you're just going to find that there's a lot of people, sensible people, that are pointing at this and, and pointing out the fact that the lockdown was completely ineffective and had no effect on anything. That's kind of what ineffective means. And people might talk about Sweden and Norway or Finland, one of the neighboring countries that had like no deaths and a very strict lockdown. And they'll say, oh, Sweden, you know, Sweden didn't have a lockdown and they had way more deaths. Well, there is your one, there is your one example. But there's an interesting, um, there's an interesting thing you can look at, which is at what point in March or whatever did these countries implement their lockdowns or not? When did Norway put in their hardcore lockdown in, in some point in March? And around the same time, Sweden put in their recommending people wash hands and work from home if you can, whatever. But shops and restaurants and bars and schools still stayed open. So the effect, if you say, okay, it takes whatever, it takes a couple weeks for those, the effects of stopping transmission theoretically through lockdown and then somebody catching it or not catching it, and then that person going to the hospital, and then that person potentially dying. You say there's two or three weeks after the point where you implement measures or don't implement measures where those measures have no effect yet, right, on the numbers. There's that lag time. So if you look at that time period in, like, March slash April right after these measures were implemented, you'll see that Sweden has this huge explosion of death and Norway doesn't. And that's because those were baked in to the population and the susceptibility and the frailty of Sweden's population that was going to get hit no matter what. And... Norway or whatever that had a different demographic and they weren't going to get hit so hard no matter what. So you can't, you can't say that those measures had immediate effect. And right after that effect, nobody died in Norway and all these people died in Sweden. Well, no, all that, those next two or three weeks, that's all based on the previous month 
of spreading when no one knew what the fuck was going on. Every, both countries were acting exactly in the same way, except for whatever distance differences they may have in their their demographics and in their social structures, etc. So that's what creates the, you know, that's what dictates how well you do. It's your air pollution. It's how many fat people do you have. It's how many old people you have. It's how bad was the flu the year before. That's what creates those numbers. Not the the then the lockdown comes in way later. It's the same thing in China that the infection peak was already over the hump when they put in all these measures that everyone says, "Oh, we got to do what China did." Really? Do we really want to be China? God, I could go on, but I won't. I won't. Let's take a let's put a hard stop on that fucking rant. It's like I just I just think out there to all these people and I want to talk to them and so we got a, a half of a pig from a butcher and the guy didn't give us any bacon he cut up all the meat into all these different cuts chops sausage pork loin ribs and then we got a huge massive pork belly not cut up into delicious bacon bits and not cured. And I just got to ask, what was this guy thinking? Who wouldn't want bacon? Like, how did he get to the point of packaging all this stuff up and not be like, why don't these people want bacon? I don't know. My wife called, or he called when he had the half pig and was butchering it. It was like, what do you want? You want this? You want that? You want this many hams? You want this many hams? Yada, yada, yada. My wife was just like, uh, yeah, that, that, that. And she definitely said, yeah, I want bacon. But then he somehow got confused about pork belly and was like, what do you want to do with the rest of that pork belly? Do you want it ground? And she was like, no, I guess I'll take pork belly. And then he just gave us this huge fucking pork belly. So the other day I went down into the basement to the freezer. It was the weekend and I was going to cook up some of our new bacon, which I knew wouldn't last long. Even a half a pig's worth of bacon is not nearly enough bacon for a year. I mean, it, it, it'll it only get you through a couple months probably. But I wanted to try it, you know, new pig, new bacon. And uh, I was like, hey, is the is the bacon in the freezer down there? And And my wife said, yeah. And I pawed through it. Didn't see any bacon. You know, the drill, you're in the chest freezer, you're sliding these ice-cold, rock-hard packages of meat around in dim light, pawing through it, looking for bacon, not finding it. And all the while, on the top is this massive, like, flopped-over handful, uh, probably 15, 20 pounds of what should be bacon, but wasn't, just pork belly. So we buried it in the backyard. No, she took it back. We we thawed it in the refrigerator, and then she took it back and uh, said, hey, make this into bacon. You crazy butcher. Um, we got ducks, too. We got half a pig, and we got ducks. And we've got four ducks now, and they're so fucking cute, guys. These ducks, they're half Muscovy and half Swedish Cross? Swedish something. Huh. That's funny. They're the non-lockdown ducks. They're super pretty. They're black and white. There's three boys and one girl. The girl's smaller than them all. 
And unfortunately, at some point, she's going to start getting gang raped by them. But that hasn't happened yet because they're still juvenile ducks and they're still just so fucking cute. And they waddle around and they don't really quack, but every once in a while they make a little quacking noise. And um, they make kind of like little soft, higher-pitched noises to each other. And they really babble at each other. And we have a little kiddie pool for them that they can splash around in. And they get it really dirty. Like you you change the water in it and then the next day it's like a poop mud soup that they love swimming in and shaking their little ducky butts and dunking their little heads. And I just, I had no idea that ducks were so cute. That's the main takeaway for me. I didn't know that they were so cute. I knew that I liked ducks. But guys, if you are at all considering getting ducks or have ever considered it, I strongly encourage you to to think about it some more and to just do it. Just do it. Just go out there and get yourself some ducks because you, if you could get baby ducks to start with, you're going to have to get over the fact that they poop a lot and the work of it. But, oh, my God, they will make your yard so much more pretty when they stand out there and they run around and they go after grass they graze some things they really like dandelion greens which means now every time i go outside i've got four ducks and 12 rabbits all wanting me to bring them dandelion greens and whereas a couple of summers ago i thought we've got too many fucking dandelions in our lawn now i'm thinking we should just uh, start pulling up the grass and let the dandelions take over because, my God, do these animals go crazy for dandelion greens. And at first it was easy. You know, you just walk out there and bend over and pluck some up. But now I've got to go into the neighbor's yard. I've got to go next door. I've got to wander a little bit. And sometimes when I pull up somewhere else and I see a patch of dandelions, I'm like, uh... I should really bring my bunnies up here. They would fucking love it. But our rabbits our rabbits have it pretty good. And our ducks. They're really pampered pets. And yes, we are going to eat them, but they're still basically pets. We saw some other rabbits the other day. And um, boy, just not all rabbits have it so good. That's the truth. That's the long and the short of it. And uh, it made me a little bit sad. But I understand that not everybody can build perfect, beautiful rabbit palaces for their rabbits. And I'm not going to hold that against them. It's not like these animals are abused. But, I mean, just in one little cage on the ground. I mean, come on, you can do better than that, right? We'll be right back. Thanks, folks, for tuning in, for listening to that rant. Just an update. I have gotten back from California. I flew out and back, went through Chicago and San Francisco international airports. Boy, were there a lot of people. Um, Not really sure what everyone was doing out in the middle of a pandemic, but there were literally thousands of people milling around in these airports. Fortunately, they were all wearing masks and... um, 
when they were sitting down in restaurants, there was plexiglass panels in between the parties. So obviously COVID-19 had no chance of spreading at all. Um, also, it was great how they instituted social distancing when deplaning. Of course, we were sitting right next to each other because it was important for United to sell all the seats on their flights. So we were sitting shoulder to shoulder for four, five, and six-hour flights. But when deplaning, um, we observed social distancing. So we were encouraged to stay in our seats until the first rows had departed and maintained again our six foot distances. Fortunately, the COVID-19, you know, SARS-CoV-2 virus was aware of the fact that we weren't able to social distance while we were sitting down because of course United has to sell as many seats as possible to stay profitable. And uh, fortunately the virus, you know, understood that we couldn't under those circumstances pay it the due respect of social distancing so it didn't infect anybody and then waited until uh, we were deplaning to then start trying to infect people but at that time we were uh, again we were back in our social distancing so that all worked out great um on a serious note i i rocked my my old face for the whole walk through all these big airports and um, nobody said a peep. It's pretty amazing. There are no mask polices in airports. Just a heads up. Also, I thought it was really cool how the um, TSA agents <laughs> didn't ask me to remove my mask when checking my photo ID. I just want to give a shout out to the terrorists out there. Thanks for taking the pandemic off and giving us all a break. I know. It would probably be super easy to hijack planes right now because um, everybody's wearing masks even when getting their IDs checked. But I really, I just want to appreciate y'all, you know, giving us people the world the respect of not hijacking any airplanes right now during this pandemic. Just waiting for this all to die down before you, um, you know, start back up trying to hijack planes and fly them into buildings. It's really nice. Really nice of uh, really nice you terrorists. Just want to give another big thanks to Plexiglass Panels for sponsoring this episode of Painting Pictures, and remind you all to check out the website for the podcast at gaberobertsart.com. Send me an email if you have any questions or if you have any suggestions for guests for the podcast. Um, the email address is gaberoberts at gmail.com. All right, my friends, thanks for listening, and until next time, adios.